Good evening, everyone. Good evening and welcome back. Welcome back to the Porsche Cooled Podcast, the podcast where Steve and I chat about, talk about all things Porsche. Steve is here, Sydney time. Good morning, Steve. Morning, mate. How are you? I'm okay. I'm okay. I should just tell the listeners, yeah, you know, I'm okay. I was just talking to you about it, but... Before Steve and I get onto this podcast, we always do it really late, as you know, in London time, and, and Steve and I chat, and then by the time we start, it's like another half an hour later, we should, just get, <laughs> we should just get straight into it. Yeah. But it's like our warm-up, it's like your, it's like your vocal exercise before you, um, before you start it. I think we just got to get our head around it, don't we? Well, I think it would be a bit weird if I just kind of, we just record it without talking first and then just hanging up at the end. <laughs> <like> yeah, I <laughs> know. I mean, I do the same with owner stories, actually. We have a little chat in the beginning, but we normally have a bigger yeah. chat in the end. Um, but yep. I always do that because some people are quite nervous on owner stories, on the Porsche Good owner mm-hmm. stories. Um, you know, so if you... I always have a chat because I always know people are nervous, so I have a little chat in the beginning just so people relax a little bit and just, just chill. You give everyone a cuddle, do you? Yeah, like that, you know. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. Everyone, seriously... I've made so many enemies this week and I've annoyed so many people and I've yelled at so many people. I know the listeners are going, Michael, you're yelling at people. It's like, yeah, I have been yelling at people and then I feel really bad for yelling at people. I've seen you fire And then up. I feel really bad for leaving voice messages on WhatsApp and like not not being rude, but just like losing my cool a little bit with people on doing sending voice messages to people and then I feel really bad about it. <laughs> How really how Whatever, real estate man. agent in London has been the brunt of it the last couple of days, I tell you, or last late last week. So, is is he a Porsche fan? I don't know. He's not what? a Michael. He's not a he's not a Michael fan at the moment. I don't think. Um, no. I've let I've let Tasha talk to him more this week because I know I've upset him last week. So I don't want to upset him that's any, okay. anymore. That's what wives are for. Hide behind her. Yeah, that's what I've been doing. I've been hiding. Hiding. Like I said, welcome back to the Portugal podcast. I know most of you guys have listened to Steve and I before. If you haven't. Uh, well, my name is Michael Barth and, and that's Steve. <laughs> um, this is where we talk about Porsche. But Friday's episode, um, before we, what are we going to do, Steve? I'm looking at my levels. They're a little bit over the place. I don't know what's going on with this microphone, but I'll keep going. Um, Porsche Good Owner Stories, I sent it to you. And I watched it. I uh, listened to it. Cool. How was it? Um, yeah, it was cool. Um, Did you enjoy it? I yeah, yeah. I was curious to um, because you didn't send like your Insta posts. I didn't have a link to sort of see um, Alan's uh, photography. I was kind of curious to go and have a look at that Insta post. I posted on Insta. Yeah, but um, you sent it, you sent the the chat with me beforehand, so I really wanted to kind of see what oh, um, Car and his photography was like. Oh, oh. you didn't know his link. Nope. nope. So. It's all cool. Some interesting kind of story. Nice guy. Alan's a really nice guy. Alan, I know you're listening. Yeah. Um, your English is very good, Alan. Don't worry about that. He was worried about his English, but his English, I think, is fine. No, it's better than mine. I, I can understand it perfectly. I thought it was really good. It was a good chat. We had a good chat. Uh, we had a chat in the middle of the day, I think it was. I think it was like in the middle of the day we chatted. Um, Alan is from Antwerp in Belgium. What's his native language? What's his native uh, language then? Belgium... You're testing me here, Steve. I would say French. Yeah, I have no idea. Yeah, I'd say French and probably Dutch. German? No? Mm, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Now I'm going to sound like an idiot. Why did you ask that question? Make you sound like an idiot. <laughs> it's working, isn't it? <laughs> um, 
Alan is an auto- actually I'm making myself sound like an idiot. <laughs> Alan is a uh, automotive photographer from Belgium. Uh, he's very passionate about uh, cars, about Porsche. He's shot a lot of Porsches. He's had a lot of Porsches in front of his lens. He's got a lot of uh, friends who are in the Porsche community. Um, reasonably, some people who are well known as well that you would have heard of if you listened to the podcast. Um, and he's 924 Outlaw. Um, I think Alan's story is good because he bought a car, you know, his car wasn't stock standard when he bought it, Steve. Mm. He's 924. Um, it had had some work done to it, you know what I mean? Mm. But that's what Alan liked about it. I mean, as you know, if you listen to his history, he he was a little bit involved in that sort of tuna community in, in Belgium. Yep. He's a specialized in, in golfs, in Mark 1s to Mark 3 golfs, and then he got out when the yep. Mark 4 came out. Um, and then he worked in body shops, and he's got friends who, had, who also in that sort of trade. He's a good friend. So, you know, it was a good story. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, so Alana and I have been chatting on and off on Instagram. Uh, I've been wanting to get him on for a while, Steve. Um, I'm glad he did come on. Um, it's good to have other stories apart from 911s. We've had 944s now. I've had 924s. Um, people have still got a 924. He's also got the W201 Mercedes, which he's, you know, modified slightly. Um, it was just interesting to hear about the laws in, you know, those laws in Belgium, you know what I mean, where, you know, you have to take all the modifi- modifications off them before you can get them registered. Is that the same thing in Sydney? Can you get things passed like that in Sydney? Probably not, right? Yeah, you can. Obviously you can because when you get, um, once your car's passed, whatever it is, is it two or three years old where you have to go and get an inspection? Right. Um, uh, you've done it. Like they check, what do they check? Um, your headlights, your brake lights, your brake function, like how well it brakes. Um, they do a visual thing and that's kind of it. They don't emissions test you. They don't a noise test you. But if the car's um, really low, he was saying the car was so low, he had to put it back onto stocks, you know, had yeah, to raise it back up. The wheels they don't were test like, your ride height. Like you've seen the cars rolling around Sydney. Um, yeah. They get through, um, right? It's not that strict. Yeah. No, no, no. It, and be, not sort of suggesting that all mechanics are kind of dodge, but I'm guessing that if you wanted to get something done that you could probably and you know like it takes it takes about five to ten minutes and costs 40 bucks um yeah yeah so like no it's um pretty I, i've i've no understanding or whatever if you kind of get pulled over by the cops for example and they um they slap you with a defect notice because your car is too low too loud blah blah blah. Right. i think then you have to go and take it to an engineer and get it um certified which is right quite different to like um, a rego inspection. Um, okay. Touched lots of wood or never ever find out, but that sounds that sounds more like um, what um, Alain was kind of talking about. Yeah, it sounds like Antwerp, it sounds like Belgium's a little bit more stricter on regulations from what mm. um, Alain was saying. He's really into that whole Porsche scene, you know what I mean? He's really, and he's taking mm. photos and you heard, you heard if, you, if you listen to the story, I don't want to give it all away, but he, you know, he took some photos. Um, he asked a, a friend and then he... Uh, met up with this other guy to take photos of his car because he wanted to take photos of a Porsche to give someone an image of a Porsche. And mm. it just happened to be Bart, who um, does um, Flat Six Love Affair. Mm-hmm. I never know how to pronounce Bart, Bart's last name, so I won't try. But um, mm-hmm. So he's friends with Bart. Bart lives really close to him. That's a good story. It's a good story. He had a, he had a few funny stories to tell. It was good, and we had a chat afterwards, and uh, I really enjoyed it. Yeah, it was interesting. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. It was good. It was a really good story. It just made me think of something, though, um, which is kind of interesting um he's obviously like a rev head because he you know um spanned it on volkswagens and stuff like that and as you sort of said he's into um modifying cars which 
I suppose a lot of us are. It makes me think of myself or um, my cousin who bought the um, the M3 recently. Loves to yeah. loves to kind of add an exhaust or you know horse around with it. Um, and I wonder, I wonder like what percentage of us like once you know we all would have cut our teeth kind of you know playing with GTIs or you know whatever hot hatches all that sort of stuff then you kind of possibly graduate into, as we've talked about before, like maybe an M car or you get into a Porsche. I wonder what percentage of us kind of go, oh, it's a Porsche, I can't touch it anymore. Or how many people kind of just go like that was their original passion and they always, you know, it's like me, I've never, I can't think of a car that I've ever left standard. I don't think I've kind of gone that mental, but I've always, as you know, you know, played with, bits of suspension or exhaust or retrimmed bits and pieces and done stuff like that. Um, Porsches, are, like Porsches are obviously ripe for that, but I wonder if you kind of, if there's sort of like a type of person, like the notion that if you were always like a bit of a car modder, what happens when you get into a Porsche? Yeah, and I think that's what reminded me when I was speaking to Alain. I thought about you actually. I thought about how you've had the Golfs and, and, and the Subarus and things like that. And I, I thought, mm. I forget Alain's exact words, but how he said when he went from the, how he had that Volkswagen where it was all chrome and it was a really special one, you know, mm. the one that the guy mm. sold to him at a good price, <clears throat> which was yep. obviously a really special, a special Golf. Um, and then he bought the B5 Audi and he didn't do that many mm -hmm. modifications to it. And it's mm -hmm. like you get to a, I don't know whether he said flashy, but you get to a stage, I don't know if you found this too, you get to a point in your life, you get to a certain age where you don't want to be modding to that extent. I guess you still mod, you know what I mean? And I guess he's 924 still modded, different. but it's not, it's a yeah. different type of modding, isn't it? You know what I mean? And I guess you yeah, went through that I, too in a little way, didn't you? I did, but I don't know if you remember all my cars. None of them were sort of modded to the sort of flashy sort of thing that like, you know, it was generally exhaust and suspension and bits of interior, but it's not like, you know, I added kind of big wings and went kind of crazy wheels and crazy lowering and, or anything like that. Um, so slightly, not not really kind of tuner type modding, if you know what I yeah, mean, yeah. to that kind of extent. But yeah, it's just an interesting kind of thought, which is uh, sort of semi-thinking about um, marker, not that I can talk about it with any real... Um, uh, knowledge, but yeah. all of the cars that he had, I think I would have just put him in the bucket of um, he's a bit more of a stickler for originality when I think about most of the kind of classic cars that he had. But then his um, turbo, you know, um, was modded, and I think he's quite sounds like he's kind of quite happy to kind of keep it like that rather than being original. So he's to yep. me that he's almost like the other way. Yeah, and I'll tell. I'll, I'll give it away. I'll give it as a lead-in. Okay. But um, next week, uh, next week's Porsche Cool Donor Stories. Um, Marco is the guest. And Marco is the owner that's coming on. And Marco, as you mm -hmm. know, is Steve's cousin-in-law, as you call it. I always think that's a funny mm -hmm. word, cousin-in-law, but I know it's cousin? real. Well, cousin, cousin-in-law. Cousin <laughs> yeah. Um, so I chatted with Marco during uh, last. Saturday, last weekend, I think it was. Last weekend we chatted. Mm -hmm. We had a really good chat. Mm -hmm. And as you know, Steve, that's the first time I met Marco. Um, yep. It was good to meet him face-to-face, -face, so to speak, even though it was through Zoom. Um, yep. And it was a good story. And I have to say, and Marco, I know you're listening. After I spoke to Marco, it's always the same thing. I, and I know in a previous podcast I said I don't like them. Mm -hmm. I looked at Beatles online just to see how much they were and what ones were available. 
because Marco was talking about his Beetle. And then he told right. me he's got a he's also got a VR six. I don't want to give it away, but he's got a VR six. Yep. 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 I didn't even know that. You didn't mention that. A very low mileage VR six as well. He's got more cars than I I don't I I can't keep up with um what he's got, so I don't actually know what um he he's got lots of kind of older, um, sort of more classic things and hence that's just why it kind of sprang to mind, which was I'm pretty sure most of his aren't like uh, closer to sort of like original um, as opposed to kind yeah. of tinkered with. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, it was a good chat. But anyway, that's next week. This week it's Alan. Um, Alan, uh, make sure you listen to that one. Um, Alan is uh, owner stories number 45, I think. 45 it is today on Tuesday. Mm-hmm. Um, so make sure you get have a look at that one and give Alan his... His Instagram is in the in the description of the of the podcast, so make sure you go and have him check out his Instagram and give him a follow. Um, Steve, uh, let me just say one thing because I just read this out, so, and I know this person, and I'd like to read out their review. Um, so there was one Apple ratings and reviews is where you go to give us a review. It's a bit quiet over at Apple ratings and reviews lately. Actually, we had a bit of a burst there when I did the shout out, um, but we've ha- mm. had one new review this week. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know who this person is, and they've they've reached out to me on Instagram. Best Porsche, best Porsche. Can't even speak today. What's wrong with me? Best Porsche podcast. This is the best Porsche podcast out there. Michael and Steve go in depth with all the things Porsche. I always can't wait to listen to the next ep- episode, whether it's a chat about a certain topic of Porsche or an own story. They really have gotten P car people together to share the love of their Porsche and Porsche community. I'm hoping to get an on, on an owner's stories one day. Thanks, Michael and Steve. Keep it up. Always a great listen. Much love from Canada. That's the Kashmir Beige 911. Uh, if you go to the Instagram, his Instagram is the same as that. Um, and I have mm-hmm. spoken to him on Instagram before. Yeah, cool. And I will get him on an owner's story. Um, I can't remember your first name, sorry. But the Kashmir Beige from Canada, absolutely we will get you on an owner's story. I didn't think you asked me about being on one, but absolutely we will do that. Mm-hmm. Um, so Apple ratings and reviews, just quickly before I finish this off, Steve, as you know, every rating and review helps us go up the charts. It helps us get seen in the US, in the UK, in Canada, in Australia. Um, so the more ratings and reviews, the higher up the chart we go and the more people that will see us and the more Porsche people that will see us and hopefully enjoy our podcast. What else? Did you go for a drive? It's still lockdown. The listeners probably know that you're in lockdown. Sydney's in lockdown Negative. for another how many weeks, man? Uh, another less, just short of four weeks. Um, four more weeks. Three and a bit. Yeah. So can you yeah. take the 911 out? Can you take the GT3 out for a drive? Yes or no? I can. I did. Because um, you, you, in principle, you're not really supposed to go anywhere unless you have to go to hospital. I actually went and got my vaccine, my first um, vaccine jab yesterday. Um, didn't take the GT3 though. Um, Why not? Go to the shops. Uh, I didn't want to park it around the hospital because I knew it would be hard to find a park around there. So um, you took the McCann? Yep. <laughs> I sure did. I really How was the jab? That thing, did they stick it in? Did you have some trainee or did you have some proper doctor doing it? No, I got a big, massive, and I know it's a bit cliche, but massive shout out to um, the people at the hospital and nurses and stuff. Like, really? You know, yeah, like, I, so I went to, I did it through um, the government kind of website as opposed to going to local GP, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Um, and, you know, like, it's a bit of an old hospital. Um, it was um, St. George Hospital. 
Right. But, you know, like you can tell like they're trying their guts out and there's so many people in there. It's a bit of a weird thing because, you know, since we've been in lockdown and I have a conservative nature, um, it's not like I haven't really hung out with many people at all. I've not been in a room with more than, you know, <laughs> my own family basically. So all of a sudden you go to a hospital and it's packed. Um, but, you know, they're doing their best and um, in terms of as an experience, nothing scary or whatever, like got to hand it to those guys in terms of trying to, you know, corral all these people. And I'm sure like there were, there would be many nervous people about, you know, symptoms and all that type of stuff. But um, yeah, it was cool. It was cool. Highly recommend it. Well, it's good you had your jab. So are you getting the second one in 21 days? Is it a short period three they're doing weeks. now? It's supposed to be three weeks. Th- three if, weeks um, or 21 same. days? <laughs> same thing, mate. <laughs> Um, uh, unless they try to divert, um, Pfizer to other areas and like to get people with their first jab in or something like that, which they've been talking about in the media, but I don't know if that's going to happen. Apparently at the moment they haven't done that at, um, the place that I went to. Right. Um, um so yeah, that's cool. That's good. It's good. You got it done. Um, I'm about to head off as you know, I'm about to head off back to Bahrain we're flying again. We're going to be on the plane, going back to Bahrain on uh, Sunday night. Sunday night scary, flight. Hey? Get there first thing on uh, Monday morning. <clears throat> mm. um, so we'll be there for a few more months. Um, you know, a few more months. It's like, I don't know, it's so hot out there at the moment. It's like, <laughs> I checked the weather the other day. It was like 43, feels like 49. Just walk around naked, mate. <laughs> so, you know, I've, I've bought a, some more. We're I bought more, some more summer clothes um, mm-hmm. since I sent a lot of things back to Sydney already. Hey, I want to do a shout out to um, Bernard. Bernard was on um, previous owner stories. Ibita, 9-11. Ibita. Whatever Ibita. that means. Um, earnings before deposits, transfers, deposits, something like that. Bernard, right? Um, so Bernard, uh, Bernard, Bernard was on the Bernard, owner story. Right. And Bernard had the brown, uh, the, um, I don't know if it's called brown, metallic. I don't know what the exact color was. He had the brown uh, Carrera 991 C2. Mm-hmm. Um, he blames me for this. I don't understand why he blames me for this. I thought it's not my fault. Um, he's bought another car and he kept it a bit of a secret. I've known for some time. Okay, um, mm-hmm. I know he's been posting pictures on the Porsche Cool Discord. Uh, Porsche Cool Discord. There's a few members Colin. over there talking about Porsche. Steve, you've got to go over there and talk. People are talking about you, I think. Post a picture of your GT3. Post a picture of your GT3 and your knobs over there. People are waiting to see them. I post a picture of your knob anyway. I posted that link to the Instagram. But anyway, Bernard has got a... um, He picked it up from... um, Bernard's based in Brisbane in Australia. He bought it from uh, Porsche Centre Sydney, Sydney South, whatever you call it. And he got Mm a white 991 Carrera for GTS. It was very nice. He sent me the video of it coming off the truck. Um, I think he posted mm-hmm. it as well, but um, it's a very nice example. It's a really, um, really good car. I'm not going to so say how much it, it was. 991? 991. Did he, trade, did he trade the brown thing in? He traded it in. They picked it up, basically. Um, he sent me a picture. I think, Like I said, I think he's posted this as well. Um, right. And he, he got delivery of the Carrera 4 GTS, and then he, the, truck his... took, the truck took back the um, Carrera. So we went from a Carrera to a Carrera 4 GDS. Big jump. Right. Was he satisfied with the – and I'm not um, asking about the details, but I'm just kind of curious about um, his trading and stuff like that because that's normally not the best way to maximize your dollars. 
Um, I don't know how much I can share about that. No, no, I'm don't, sure. don't. It's just... I'm not sure what he's shared about that, so I don't really want to say. I think he did trade it in. Yeah, that's okay. Um, I think they gave him a discount on the new car, which is yep. what they do. Um, I'm not sure how his trade-in worked. The car is for sale on Porsche Center City South. It's on their website at the moment, so you can see how much they're selling it for. Obviously, they probably didn't pay Bernard that price. The reason why I'm asking is not because I'm being ridiculously nosy. It was just more because I noticed, um, you know how they keep sort of saying that there's a um, stock shortage of yeah. just cars, new cars and used cars in general because there's yeah. everybody's gone and going COVID, COVID shopping. Um, there was that app that um, Porsche Australia released. Really? Um, like What's there are Insta ads. Um, oh, really? Where they'll, they'll like you can submit your car and va- they'll value it and they'll make you an offer oh, okay. via an app. Like you could oh, really? do it now if you wanted to from your chair oh, really? in London. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ooh, maybe I'll see what they offer me. Yeah, it's interesting. I wonder if it'll be over. I wonder if it'll be over eighty. It's just I'm assuming like you know they're desperate for kind of good stock and they just kind of want it. They want to get it into the dealer network. So um, I remember reading about it somewhere and. Um, it's popped up on my Instagram feed a couple of times. Yeah. But I mean, generally, like when you get a trading price from a dealer, it's kind of shit, to be honest. <laughs> or from like a Porsche. Probably, dealer. probably. But the thing is, I think, you know, the joy of this car, Bernard's happy with the car. I mean, he, Bernard's yeah. an accountant, if people who don't remember the story. So he, I'm guessing it was a reasonably good deal. You know what I'm saying? Um, and I guess there's a bit of pay. <laughs> well, I'm guessing it's a reasonably good deal. Good with money. <laughs> well, I'm guessing. I'm guessing. Um, but you know, um, the Carrera 4 GTS is a really nice car. Um, it's PDK, so it's paddle. But I think yeah. he's done a really good job, and he's jumped up. He's jumped up the chain, and he's really happy. And it's a really well spec one, Steve. It's got the full Alcantara leather. You know, red deviated stitch. You know, mm-hmm. it's it's really fully optioned. And you want to know the story about his car. His car, the person that owned it, mm-hmm. traded it in, and I'm trying to find it now where he told me. Oh, yeah. The previous owner traded this and a GT3 RS for a, speeder, for a speedster at Porsche wow. Sydney. Okay. So, <laughs> so obviously, it's, a very, uh, it's been a really well-looked-after car. But anyway, congratulations, okay, cool. Bernard. I said I'd give you a shout-out. I think you've done well. Um, I will get you back on again. We can chat about the, uh, the new car in the future. What else, Steve? Uh, I don't know. You tell me. <laughs> Did you see that, uh, you know, we, we talk about mileage on our 997s, and you know what? I'm not scared about mileage anymore, and it's probably because I haven't driven my car in I two think? years. No, yep. I'm not really scared about mileage anymore. I don't want to get hung up on mileage, you know? Yep, yep. I think I was too hung up on it. I mean, I think it's important, but I don't think it's that important. You know what I mean? I'm not a millionaire, but I don't think it's that important. I think you've got to enjoy your car. So, yep. But I saw those two cars on Piston Heads, and the two articles, I think it's yeah. an article they do about cars they find for sale and they've got high mileage. Uh, one was from 2020, and one was mm-hmm. just recently. I think it was just mm-hmm. this month. The first one was 160,000 mile 997.1. Yep. You know, and these cars were still selling at a reasonably high price. They weren't really that much cheaper. The one I really was more oh, interested they in, they? They no, they cheap? weren't. If you read the one for the, and the next one, yep. and I don't know if this is almost the highest mileage 997, 997.2 with 300,000 miles. We're not talking about kilometers here. We're talking about 300,000 miles, Steve. Mm-hmm. So, you know, what's that? 480,000 kilometers? Uh, 
I I stumbled on three weeks being 21 days, so don't ask me to do a calculation. <laughs> well, 160, like 160 kilometres an hour is 100 miles an hour, so three times mm. 160 is 480, so it must be 480,000 kilometres on this car, <laughs> right? Uh-huh. 480,000 kilometres. That's correct, right? I'm pretty sure that's correct. Yeah. 997.2, um, and it's, you know, the, the, the article I thought was quite interesting because the guy, you know, it's not that old. It's not that old, and it was up, actually come up for sale, and the price yep. wasn't really reflective of the fact that it had 300... And they show you a picture. They show you a picture of the, the 286,000 miles on it, so it's just yep. sub 300K. Yep, um, yep. But I thought it was interesting. The 997 went through 100K in 2012, mm-hmm. right? It's a 2012... What is it, a 2012 model? 100K in 2012, when it was just three years old. Sorry, it was three yep. years old. It was showing 96,000 on its first MOT. It went through 150K by 2014, 200K in 2016. So we did 50,000 miles in two years mm. and 250,000 miles in 2019, mm. like in three years. So it's almost 300,000 miles. <clears throat> and I know there's million-mile Porsches out there. There's people that has this. There's one Porsche going around, wasn't there? I remember there was an old article about it. Yeah. But... I mean, this is 997.2. It doesn't have the IMS issue. But the other one is got, you know, has 160,000 miles, which is about, yep. you know, whatever that is in kilometers. And that's a 997.1. Yep. So it's still going. It hasn't blown up. Yeah. I guess I'm assuming that they're motorway miles too, right? Like it's somebody who has to kind of do a lot of um, motorway traveling in the UK as a job, because that's obviously kind of daily sort of stuff. Um, I'm assuming motorway miles are a lot kinder to the car than um, than um, peak hour kind of driving, but yeah, it's, it's pretty cool. Yeah, I think so. And because in this article, the one that's 300,000, I was just talking about it, at the end yep. of the article, it actually says that the car is priced like a 911 that's been used much less. Um, it's a facelifted high-spec 997, but the car's yep. 33,000 pound asking price is the same as that for a similarly similarly aged PDK career with 200,000 fuel miles. So it, it's not really reflective in the price. The price is still quite high, which I yeah. thought was a bit weird. Um, but anyway, yeah. 997. Yeah, ambitious, uh, isn't it? I don't know. Yeah. There's, there was a couple of uh, high-mileage GT3s that I was sort of reading about that um, seen through glass guy did... Um, did a video oh, that's on right. 997, which was quite quite interesting, pretty cool. How many miles did that one have? Do you remember? Uh, I can't remember. I'd have to look it up. But um, it's worth watching that video because um, that car is sort of well-known. Actually, I think it was spoken about on Piston Heads as well and right. um, the 911 UK forums. Right. But somebody was daily driving um, first a 996 GT3, then a 997 GT3, same dude, and racked up all these kind of crazy miles on it. Um, that seen through glass guy did a video and um, said, you know, it was still really tight, blah, blah, blah. Um, you mm, know, I guess, mm. I guess, um, like, I don't reckon having, you know, owned a 964 and a 993, I don't, I, massive cliche, but I still believe that Porsches aren't built as well as they used to be. But um, I guess they still are built quite well and still, you know, very durable. So, yeah, I think that's what I was getting to actually, because, you know, there's no, you see air cools with a lot of a lot of miles, right? A lot of kilometers. Mm. Yep. But you don't really see nine nine sevens yet with 
hitting those high kilometers. I mean, we always see the old, you know, um, and having spoken to Alain, because he's got a W201 Mercedes, you yep. know, that, that generation of those 90s Mercedes, you know, you see them come up and they're in, you know, in Australia, they're in 350,000 kilometers, you know, 380,000 kilometers, I think I've seen some for, you know, some are in high 200s yep. or 200,000. Yep. And you see it. But when you look for 911s, it's not very rarely, when you think of that 300,000 mile one, it's not very rarely you see a Porsche 997 or a 996 with that high mileage, right? You normally see them at what? Maybe, wow, maybe pushing 200 max, max? I don't know. I guess but you don't really see um, them. Yeah, you don't really see also them. Also because right? they're a lot more common maybe? I don't know. How much does, um, how many Ks does um, Ajmal's 996 have on it? Good question, Ajmal. I wish you could answer. I wish you were here to answer. I, don't, high, I can't it? remember. Yeah, it's. It was the. I don't think it was the highest mileage one, but it was the cheapest nine nine six in the UK when he bought it. Yeah, just. Um, but I can't remember. Maybe it's one hundred and thirty thousand, something like that. One hundred and forty thousand. I'll take a wild guess. Yeah, I keep watching that um, Friends Green Porsche YouTube channel. You know the the um, dealer. The dealer in um, the UK that specialises in 996 and 997s. Um, That's a really good channel. Yeah, he's just always really good at explaining, you know, like the what they kind of do to um, fix up a car to be um, unsold. But because they feature 996s and 997s a lot, um, I don't know. This is just me, again, not speaking with any authority, but it sort of feels, again, like um, that especially 996s, like they sort of seem to have like spots that um, maybe the kind of factory did um, not necessarily or kind of cut corners and, you know, there's bits, you know, like Lee Sibley's um, kind of car, like with lower control arms and stuff like that. I know that they're consumable to a degree, but there does seem to be kind of areas where, um, you know, like things need to be replaced earlier than I thought that they Oh, really? on a comparable kind of air-cooled car or... What, they cut costs as in cheaper parts or they the workmanship is not great? Bit of both. Um, really? Massive generalisation coming from me, not based on any knowledge as I keep sort of disclaiming, but yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I have to say though, I don't want to talk about values again today because we've overdone no. the value thing, but I yeah. have actually had a couple of messages, one today and one the other day, from two people telling me that 997 prices, where they are, where they're based... Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. have increased dramatically in the last, you know, last six months. Right. Um, I think one person was in Europe and one person was in US. Um, and I guess that's a, <laughs> I don't think it's just 997s. I mean, we notice 997s because we like them. Mm. Um, but it's just classic cars in general, isn't it? We've talked about, we've spoken yeah, about that everything. before. I don't think it's just 997s. It's just everything is, everything is going up. Yep. You know, I saw, you know, yep. speaking of that, I just do want to speak about it. Did you see the, um, there was a Supra, a Toyota Supra, a 93 Toyota Supra that sold on Bring a Trailer. Mm -hmm. It sold for 200,000 US dollars. Wow. A 1993 I don't know Toyota much about Supra. Supras, um, but, I don't know much um, about them, but at 200,000, I remember they were not 200,000. That's just crazy. That Japanese car thing, you know, people, I think someone posted it, someone to do with Porsche. And they said, if you think Porsches are getting high in price. I don't know who it was. It was someone that I follow. Sorry, I can't remember who it was. Um, and you think Porsches are going up in price. I mean, that's crazy. Japanese cars, yeah, you know, like sort of all those cars. Similar to what Matt Farrow, Smoking Tire, was talking about with um, GTRs about to be whatever it is, more than 25 years old. So then they can be imported into the States. So um, if you've got a... 
if you've got like a what R32, R33 or any GTR, like you're about to become like a rich person if you're actually happy to let go of your baby kind of thing because um, they're so they're so sought after and so highly regarded. So um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what's going. I'd love on to have there. the owner one. I've actually never, never, never even sat in one a GTR. I'd love to have really. See what the I yeah. have sat in one many years ago. Someone had one, mm. but I don't remember the drive. I do remember being in it, and I don't really remember the drive. Right. Um, that Singer DLS, you know, you sent me that article. It was funny you sent me that because Jeremy, who was on a, a previous owner stories um, from UK, from Cotswolds in the UK, has got the 992, the white 992. Yep. He sent me one? pictures. No, he sent me pictures when he was at Goodwood because he went to Goodwood Festival of Speed. And I think yep. that, that was on display. I think that was the image of the yeah, car he sent two. me because, yeah, because the interior is very interesting. I thought the interior is very interesting. And you sent me that article or I found an article today after you mentioned it. Yeah. At first, when, when I saw Jeremy's images he sent me, I didn't really think I liked the interior, but then I looked at the other images he had today and I thought, hmm, it's not bad. It's not bad. It's, it's a bit flash. Like, um, it's not yeah, it like a classic singer, which is still very highly crafted, but still on the slightly more sophisticated and subtle side where um, the detailing, like particularly in the interior, et cetera, on a DLS, kind of a little bit, not, it's not as full on as a um, Pagani, but it's kind of a little bit more like that. You know, there's some uh, polished. It does a little bit, doesn't it? It looks. There's lots of little polished kind of bits, like in the um, the dials and instrumentation. The gear knobs kind of got. It's got that um, little, um, you know, timber inlay and stuff like that. The sort of yeah. bits of the gear shifter is kind of exposed as well. Yeah, I've got the picture in front of me, actually. I've still got the page open. I was looking at it just before when you were, we were talking about it. Um, it's I definitely... I don't know. I quite, I do quite like it. I do quite like it. It's There was some feature... I mean, I like the wheels. Uh, I like the... I don't know. I mean, the, <clears throat> the, gear, the gear shift has got that, you know, that little bit of leather on the side. It's carbon mm. with a little bit of brown on the side, the tan on the side. It's got the Porsche script on the back. Gold Singer... The green is a beautiful colour, Steve. There's um, two. Which one are you looking at? The oak I'm green looking one? at the green one. The dark green one? There's, yeah. There were two green ones at Goodwood. Oh, really? Light I'm looking at the dark green one. one and the dial. I really like that singer, the dial, the RPM meter, the rev meter. Yep. Yep. I think that's really sort quite... quite a bit um, watch-like with the way the markers are sort of stuck on and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, and I'm not a huge fan. What are the seats in that, you think? Are they custom seats? Yeah, um, the whole thing's custom, man. The seats. Well, it's probably Recaro based, but. I was going to say other Recaros. The seats, I didn't really think that I'd like that tartan, but when you see it as a complete package, the tartan is really nice. I mean, the steering wheel is really nice. It's a bit cup sort of dish like, isn't it, wheel? And the door yeah. trim with the cross sort of bracing, yeah. um, that cross leather bracing that it has on it and the tan. This one has got the tan interior and. I mean, yep. it's all leather and the, you know, the gear shifter sits a little bit higher than it would in a 964, right? It's sort of raised up slightly and yep. you can see the mechanism underneath. Yep. Um, it's a pretty beautiful car. I mean, I don't think you and I will get to see to drive one or have one. I mean, they're two million pounds, Steve, two million pounds. Yeah. The like, thing, I think I sent that to crazy. you a little, I don't remember when, maybe last week, but um, uh Top Gear, it was a Top Gear um, YouTube video and it wasn't Chris Harris that reviewed it. It was 
the head editor, um, I'm assuming because it wouldn't be great because Chris Harris had so much involvement in it, he can't really review the car that he's partly responsible for. What's involved? Um, what's his involvement? He was literally one of the people that um, helps to kind of judge it and all that sort of stuff. Oh, Along really? The Frankiti, Frankiti brothers. Like, there's been yeah. a whole bunch of really famous people. Like, um, uh, geez, did they talk to Hans? Did they talk to Hans Metzger about the Metzger? They did. They, they talked to Metzger. You're right. Ages ago. Because it's ago. a Williams developed. Yes, um, that's you know, right. This is the Williams one. Yes, 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 yes. Okay. So they they and um, I think somebody also with regards to suspension and everything. So like, there's a lot of um, there's a lot of heavy brains in that kind of car. Um, but what I was going to say was that um, if you didn't watch, go watch the video because it sounds amazing. Um, that engine. I'll go and watch it. I haven't seen it. Yeah, the sound of the engine. How many? How many are they making? Did they tell I you? Remember? Not sure. It's not a one-off, um, though, is it? No, 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 no. Um, but it's obviously not massive numbers. But um, the way the engine screams, like, because that's an air, don't forget it's an air-cooled engine. Um, yeah. So, like, you know, we're so used to now kind of having shifted to um, uh, water-cooled, sort of more like motorsport GT3-style engines. But this is still like an old, you know, like an old Metzger engine, and it just sounds incredible. Um, wow. Yeah, it, it sort of um, it made me think about something. A little segue into like a slightly different conversation too about um, induction noise. Mm. Um, uh, I think somebody with the DLS sort of mentioned that the reason, part of the reason why it sounds so good, is induction noise, and um, that also kind of came up recently on the nine nine two GT three, um, right? Like AP at some point in time. You know, everybody was kind of getting really worried that it wouldn't sound so good. And I think in one interview somewhere he piped up and sort of said part of the reason how they managed to make this latest GT3 sound good, even with the um, OPF um, thing in the exhaust, the particulate filter, um, is that they worked on the um, the induction noise. And I right. saw something else where somebody said that when you peek inside the engine, it's actually got some um, cone filters to dual cone air filters in it as opposed to flat panel ones so the induction so, noise is more important than the exhaust sound is it um it's not more important but it's just another way of kind of getting a car to sound good like but it gives um, you a better sound the, the combination yeah. of the exhaust and the induction give you a much better sound yeah yeah yeah. like um gordon murray bangs on about it too in the um the original mclaren f1 and then his car that's coming up like he said something about there's like the way the f- air flows into the cavity above your head. Right. Um, it's the sound of air rushing that is like the induction noise. And yeah. that is um, like one of the major things that is the reason why like an F1, an old McLaren F1s, why that sounds so good. Okay. So, so this uh, is it, the, is this the train of thought when people kept telling me and people yeah. still to this very day keep telling me yeah. that I should get, change my air filters and get the um, IPD plenum for the 997? Is this I where I'm going to get the induction noise from? Is that where you get I, it from or is it something I, else? I guess so. I don't I don't know enough about it. It's a bit of a – I'd love for somebody else to kind of explain it to me properly. Like I, I kind of semi-get it um, in terms of, yes, it's the noise of air kind of rushing into your engine. And like even right. on a 993 and 964, when I had them, there was an old hack where um, you used to – 
um, download a template online and drill holes into the cover of your airbox. Like literally oh, really? drill out. Yep. Okay, drill did you do that? Airbox. Did yeah, you did. do that? I did. You did do it. Okay, so Sounds where did you get so much hang better. on, hang on. Where do you get the the template was on like Renlist or something? Someone yeah, just yeah, put yeah. it up there on the forums. Yep. And so that mimics a um that mimics a factory part. Like you could buy I can't remember really? what it was called, like the sports airbox or whatever and the difference between a standard airbox and a sport airbox was that it had a series of holes in it, like with really? Swiss cheese. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So how many holes did you have to drill into your airbox? Uh, I can't remember. It's probably like 20. And oh, really, you, 20? Yeah, if you go and look up, um, if you go and look okay. up the discussions on like, you know, 964s and 993s, um, there was like everybody would kind of get on board and like people would be drilling little holes and people would be drilling big <laughs> holes and some people would cut the whole so, face of the airbox okay. out. Here's the question, Steve, though. At the time, how did you know what template to trust? <laughs> Someone could just put it up, go, here's all these holes and you go and do it. Oh, that was, a, that was, a, that was a, just a, a, a hack. Yeah. That wasn't right. So, perfectly honest, you don't need the template too. That's just to make it look neat. You're basically kind of shoving a whole bunch of holes in this in this airbox, and obviously the noise rushing through the holes kind of gave okay. you extra sound. It was kind of quite growly and null. It's pretty cool. So the, the um, 964, you would have done that on first because that was the one you had, so it made a big difference uh, no, in the I sound. No, I only did it on the 993. I don't think I read about it until um, the 993. And it was um, a big difference when you when you did it yeah, after huge you did these holes. It's great. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like for, for 20 minutes of your time, you made your car sound like, you know, 20% better, I reckon. Wow. Um, and all you had to do was butcher a, potentially butcher a, you know, in those days, the part was worth about 40 bucks kind of thing, I think. <laughs> all right. So you can um, do whatever the part is, you could do that and then you just replace the part if you want to reverse it. Yeah. 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 Just some p- so people would still do that today then. People would still be doing this today, drilling holes haven't, into their airbox. Haven't read a 993 forum in a long time, but I'm assuming so. Or maybe the 993s have become too expensive now. People wouldn't do that sort of thing. Yeah, I don't know. I'm, like when I had mine, it was an acceptable, like it was recognized as like a legitimate mod that a lot of people did. And, you know, I don't think if you kind of bought a car with a drilled airbox that um, people would turn their nose up at you. Wow. That's pretty cool. It's pretty yeah. cool that it could make such a difference. Um, so roll that into where we're at with 997s. It did make me kind of wonder how come. Can you do it for the, you can't do it for the 997 though, because it's not no. the same different very different but it's just like um everybody spends all of this time and money kind of engineering um you know different exhausts like on a gt3 like mine um you know like i guess Sharkworks is the one that's sort of most known which is the center bypass which is you know like deletes the muffler and then everybody's kind of got like variations in terms of the size of the tubing and whether it's an x pipe and this and that and everything else so but the shark like, works is the one though, isn't it? That was the original kind of, that was the one that. Yeah, I guess so. But it's just funny how. His podcast sorry. though, we spoke about, sorry, Steve, we spoke about it before. His podcast is a really good one for the listeners if they haven't yep. heard it on yep. Car Chat. What is it? That guy's. Car Chat with Sam Moores. Yeah, Car Chat with Sam Moores. Listen to the shark works episode. It's actually a really good one. Yeah, it's a Alex really good one where he talks. Yeah, with Alex from Sharkworks and he talks about all that, how, you know, his progression into doing things and how he did stuff. And it's a really yeah. good episode, I thought. It was a really informative episode. I didn't know so I didn't know that much about Sharkworks, so I thought it was really, really cool. Yeah. Um, 
but just the the thing that I was kind of curious about was that so many different companies have spent all this time engineering like exhaust for like you know any nine nine seven, yeah. But um, you never really read that much about in, anybody sort of um, tinkering with like induction noise. And look, I'm talking about noise, not power. Um, like I know you can buy like a fab speed intake, which I've sort of talked about a little bit before. Yep. There's a Group M one that's made out of carbon fiber, and you can put like a, a cone filter, like um, they're either KN or BMC um, cone air filters in there. A lot of people kind of go, "Don't do it," because right, um, you're drawing hot engine into hot air into hot hot air into your engine, which um, is like detrimental to kind of power and stuff. Um, I know, like. A lot of people, like I think even if you read the Shark's Work website, um, it'll tell you not to kind of do it. Okay. Um, but I'm yeah. I'm kind of banging on more about just sound sort of thing as opposed to kind of worrying so much about noise. It's just interesting. Yeah, there was um, – I'm trying to find it while I'm talking to you, and that's what I'm looking at, Steve. Uh, on IPD Discord, on Porsche, cooled, on Porsche Cooled Discord – uh, and I can't, I'm trying to find it and I can't find it. Yep. There's a guy that was had posted, and I'm sorry, are you probably listening and I don't know your name and I can't find it for some reason now and I don't know why because this Discord throws me up. Mm. Um, and he posts the sound of his exhaust. He posts right. a video to his exhaust and I thought you should listen to it because I thought it sounded quite amazing. It's quite loud though. Um, I think he said he's going to change it and I'm pretty sure okay. it's on a 997. And I thought you would have been... Yeah, I can't. I'll find it and I'll send it to you, but it's on the Discord and I'm sorry to the person listening who I've forgotten their name and I, for some reason, this stupid Discord, I can't find I can't find it now, um, but okay. I'll send it to you. I just wanted there to is, go back to the... Sorry, go ahead. Uh, there was a... Um, I sent it to you ages and ages ago. There was a... There's a video online um, yeah. by a mob in Sydney called Motive Video and they've right. got like an older 997 and they did all these um, tests on um, air intakes. And look, sorry, I'm now mixing things up because this guy kind of, you know, did that IPD plenum um, mod that you were asking about. Um, right. And did a bunch of kind of filter changes, I believe. I, I watched it a, a while ago, so I shouldn't, um, I can't quote it exactly, but they did, like they ran all these tests, stuck up, stuck the car on the dyno and all that sort of stuff. They did it quite diligently and I think they right. arrived at the the notion that on the dyno at least um, there's no kind of real power to be made from um, doing these sorts of mods. Um, it's quite interesting. Yeah, I wish I could remember the name of that exhaust. I wish I could uh, – he, he told me what it was and I can't, I can't find it. Um, I just want to go back to the singer thing, though. You know, I was thinking about this, and I was thinking about this with the Auckland Commission, and I was thinking about this with the Qatar Commission, and all these singers that are, the people that are buying them are are, are all around the world, right? They're not just people who live in LA or US or whatever. Yep. Most of the people are buying them, are, you know, affluent people who live in other countries. Yep. I'm sure there's people in the US, but, and I know Singer Australia is opening up, but the thing is you buy something like a Singer DLS, it's a little bit yep. buying, say you live in Australia, say you live in Bahrain and you buy one. Yep. It's a little bit like the McLaren F1. And I was listening to Jay Leno on an old <coughs> Spikes Car radio. Mm. And he said, there's one guy, and I don't know if I mentioned this before, there's only one guy who services all the McLaren F1s. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he flies all around the world and services yep. them, right? Yep. And I think that's a great job. 
I wonder if that's similar to what you have to have with Singer because it's right. not like you could take your Singer to your Porsche specialist in Sydney or whatever. You can. Huh? Why yeah, would you do I, that though? I remember reading or seeing an interview with um, Rob Dickinson, the right. uh, founder of Singer, and people have asked that question. Um, like, I don't know about a DLS, maybe considering that is a very specific engine that's been re-engineered by Williams F1. Yeah, it's more like an F1, isn't it? Yeah, That's different. But, like, talk about a standard singer, or, you know, in, in inverted commas, it's still yeah. like a, a, million, a million dollar singer. Yeah. yeah. Um, he sort of said, no, 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 like, you know, um, like a good Porsche specialist can service your, you know, million dollar singer because it's still it's still effectively like um, it's a very good sort of, you know, honed um, air-cooled engine, but it is still in principle, you know, like um, it's still effectively a 911 engine. Yeah, true, true. I don't know. I'm just wondering with the DLS though because it is a little bit more, you know, that top DLS end. It's like, it's like having a Pagani or whatever. You buy a Pagani in Australia. Like is there anyone that can service it? And I, I, this was the same article. This was the same episode, this one with Jay Leno. And if, it's an old one, right? Because I was listening to some old ones the other day, mm. a couple of weeks ago. And he says the same thing about the 918 Spider. Yep. He, he, do you remember this, part, this story? Yeah. I he think needed so. a part for his 918 Spider. Yep. He calls up Porsche in Los Angeles. Yeah. And they go, oh, no, we can't, we can't do that for you. Yep. That car's, you know, that car's old. Cars too old or something. Yep, yep. You remember this? I don't remember the exact wording he said, yeah, but it was hilarious. It's like, it's too old. It's like, but what about the people that used to work on it? Like the people that worked on it, Jay Leno was saying, what, they're retired already? They're dead? Like what's happened to them? There must be still people like from six years ago or eight years ago that still know how, I think this was in 2018, so I think it was six years ago, from six yep. years ago that still know how to work on a 918 Spider. And he rings up Porsche in Los Angeles or wherever it is, California, in Los Angeles. Yeah. And he just needed a part and he needed something done. And it was like, it's like, we can't really help you. It's like, which is I very that was, like, I thought that was crazy. Because they're normally very good at, um, they're very, they're normally very good at sort of supplying parts for like all their cars, yeah. to, you know, dating all the way back to, you know, the sixties kind of thing. And, and you're not a normal customer. Let's be honest. You're Jay Leno that rings up. Yeah, you yeah, know what yeah. I mean? Like, and even so that's the response you get. Like imagine a normal person. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I don't know. I thought that was, I don't know. You just think about, you buy these cars, you buy these singers and whatever, and and Paganis or whatever, you buy these cars that cost millions and millions of dollars. And it's like, who services them for you? Because there's not a Pagani network in Australia. You know what I mean? I know, like I said, I know Zagami's doing singer in Australia, so I guess they'll have a bit more of support behind the scenes. And I guess they are in other countries as well. But who, and the F1 story is a great one. This one guy just travels and services. Yeah. I don't know how many F1s are, there are, but there's not that many. Not many, yeah. Um, and that's his job, you know what I mean? It's like, I don't know. Yeah, it's also it's like, like the, it, yeah. It's, I wonder if there's somebody out there, because you know like um, how the original, the 959 um, was never, uh, whatever you call it, like approved for sale in the US, and then that Bruce Canapa guy, um, you know, sort of helped to kind of get it in and because Bill Gates show and, show and display. Sort of stuff. Yeah, the show and display rule that Gates, Canapa but, and some other rich, some a few rich people did it, right, at the time yeah, to get it in. and they crash tested one to kind of, you know, um, get, it, yeah. get it into the country, blah, blah, blah. But yeah. what he also did was kind of corner the market by kind of being the only person that stocked all the parts <laughs> and had the expertise yeah. to kind of work on them and stuff. So, so I guess, And he um, does 
he does great work with the 959 because, as we know, the base 959 is not great, apparently, by all accounts. It's not a great car. It's a bit slow. Yeah. It's a bit nothing, right? And he does a little tweaks to them, doesn't he? I know he – I saw yeah. an article or a video with him and he said the 959S is still is the better one. Yeah. But I think he does those tweaks on the – because he, he kind of like restores them completely. He's a bit, he's a bit singerish in a way, isn't it, what he does yeah. kind of to the 959s. He sort yeah. of does completely change them. Yeah. But, you know, that's what's great about Ella. You know, in the US, you've got, you know, people like Rod Emery, you've got Canapa, you've got, you know, um, Benton Performance, you know, you've got all these people, Polo Engines, you know what I mean? The, the engine maker that made the engines for em- Rod Emery's 356s in the beginning and I think still makes them for him. You know mm. what I mean? Like there's so many people, there's so many Porsche, you know, parts and, and specialists, you know, it's, um, it's, it's pretty cool. I guess to be fair, there's people like that worldwide i mean i have no idea i guess one the ones in the states probably have a little bit more of a kind of global reputation yeah but i wonder yeah we hear about them i wonder if you kind of lined up like a really well-built engine you know like at auto house or pr tech you know in sydney yeah true and you kind of compared it with something that was built by built by like rothsport in in the u.s or whatever like uh are they comparable yeah yeah true i don't know true i don't know i'd like to do that i mean that there's a 912 for sale in Australia, that Targa that I keep looking at and I keep thinking, you know, you just take that, redo the engine, mm. spray it in the colour you want, fashion grey. I'd spray it in fashion grey. I love that uh-huh. fashion grey colour. <laughs> it's so cheap, that 912, but I just can't do it. Um, yep. But anyway. Um, yep. Ajmal sent me a message today. He's missing his 912. He doesn't have his 912 with him at the moment. Ajmal, oh, hello, I know you're listening. Uh, it's in storage because he moved house and he doesn't have a yeah. garage, so it's uh, it's in storage at the moment until he builds his garage at his house. So it's um it's packed away. Oh, he's got to build a new garage. Yeah, his house doesn't wow. have a garage. He's going to build a garage. Okay. What about his other his M- MG? That's in MGB? storage as well. That's in storage. Right. Yeah, that's in. Storage. He's not done a video with his MGB, has he? Uh, I think. I've not seen. Me, I think there has. is one. Okay. No, there is one early. Isn't there an early video? He's got an MG, very, very early video. I think he might have done one. Right. If you go, if you do the search from, I, I could be wrong, but I, I think I had, I have seen one. I think okay. I have seen one. Where does he race it ago. in his, is that the car that he'll keep forever sort of thing? Would he, does he rate that higher than his 912 or? I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Yeah. Um, Ajmal had a story about his father and, and MGBs and stuff, I think, from memory. I can't really remember completely, but um, I think that's the reason why he bought an MGB. Okay. Um, but I think he's had it for some time, but he hasn't, he hasn't sold it, so it must, have, it must be a connection there somewhere. I know Ajmal's going to be telling me this later on because I don't know, but um, yeah. I'm sure there is a connection. But yeah, cool. um, he's still got the 912. That's the main thing. Yeah, cool. um, Steve. Yes. What else? I think that's it. You I think we're going to call it a day today. the recommendation today. for this week? Oh, the recommendation. You want to do that quickly? We, we didn't do that yep. at the beginning. Let's I'll just be, do that. I'll be quick. My recommendation for this week is um, if you've got an iPhone, I don't know if um, Android, Samsung-y type things have the, um, that, you know, the little thing in the back of your the latest iPhone 12 with um, MagSafe, how it's kind of got the magnets built in. You an iPhone 12? I've got, no. Okay. I'm not as rich as you. I've got an iPhone 11 Pro Plus. Okay. Yeah, you Will it still work? Um, no. Oh, um, it won't work. No. <laughs> okay. So latest It has latest to be iPhone, a 12. Yeah, latest iPhone 12 um, has that little kind of MagSafe thing built into the back of it, which means oh, that... Oh, yes, yes, yes. 
when you can attach a wallet or you can when you put it on a wireless charger it kind of locks into place um the photography company in the u.s called moment created yes. a they're not the only ones um created like a car vent mount which is just a magnet with a little thing that you shove on your air vent so you don't um, have to add anything to the phone so you clip the you clip the little vent uh, the mount onto your vent like any other kind of cheap Chinese type um, sort of thing, and it's just a magnet, and then you just literally plonk your phone on top. And the reason why I like it, I don't know, I'm I'm a bit fussy. Did you buy one? Yeah, yeah. It's not cheap for a you know like a stupid air vent thing. Um, but it's magnetic, so um, it just basically kind of um, magnetizes on, and it's very safe, very secure. And it, my biggest thing is that it doesn't look shit. It's not like horrible kind of black, grey plastic or whatever, or you know, even worse, like right. silver chrome plastic. Doesn't have little kind of arms that you have to kind of fiddle with, all of that sort of stuff. Like it's just one little right. disc. The moment but, company from my memory is the company that did the lenses for the iPhone, right? Yeah, yeah, that's a good good quality. They made really good quality lenses. The problem I yep. have with those air vent um, mounts is I yep. have the Chinese one. Well, not the Chinese one. I have the one made in China, but the American one, which you paid three times the price for. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Whatever that brand was, yep. I always find it never sits in the vent properly. I can never seem. I know it's got the three bits, and I can never seem to get it there. And it always seems to go like flops down. It doesn't seem to stay stable. Uh, I think that isn't that more your vent kind of doesn't stay. I, like, I think with the weight, it I always think kind so. of flops yeah yeah because the one in bahrain on the merc actually stays in place and it's the same it's basically the same one but on my on my 907 it never seems to stay in place it's always really annoying but if i get an yeah. iphone 12 i'd get one of those if it's just a magnetic one that's really you cool will, then you because then you, you don't have to put it in the spring thing because no. i've got the spring one the spring loaded thing which, which is annoying. a bit of pain yeah yep. yeah um that's look, a good tip it's um you'll eventually get whatever the latest iPhone is. And um, yep. I've been through like 13. a gazillion of these horrible iPhone mount things. Like the one that I had tried previously, you would have seen it in a photo, was that um, Renline one, which you pull a little bit of your... Didn't you like that? Um, but you fitted uh, that into your car. Did you take? Did you remove it? Yeah, I took it off. But it, can I ask you a question about that? Because I'm never. Yeah, I, I looked at those because yeah. they're on sale the other day. Because you, yeah. you know, you sent me that link to Renline because you yes. said the grills were on special, and I looked yep. at it and I thought, oh, I should get one of those mounts. And yep. I always look at those mounts, and I know a lot yep. of people have them, but it's that magnet thing that you've got to put on your phone. You've got to yes. stick it on your phone or put it yes. in your case, which yes. is the bit I just can never get over, and I just never do. Which it is for what that I reason. didn't like about it too. And yeah, what it is is sorry, like for everybody else listening. <laughs> which is the point while we're doing this, is um, there's a the Renline company in the US make um, sort of specific mounts that you, on a 997, you have to pull that little side blade thing from your um, the, the thing that sort of surrounds your head unit. Yeah. Um, you pull that out and then they've engineered like a bit of like a metal bracket that you just sort of not very neatly bolt to that. Yeah. You slide the whole thing back in and then... Um, it uses a magnet, as Michael was just sort of saying. Um, it works really well, um, but I found that, yes, because you had to kind of do that classic thing of um, stick a bit of magnet on the back of your phone or on the inside of your phone case that I found it a bit ugly. And this is what I'm kind of getting at. This is why I'm recommending yeah. The, the moment. Yeah, it's a good one. Oh, um, yeah. So moment, it's called moment. What's the name of it? Moment what? MagSafe. Air vent mount. 
cool. I'll go and check it out. Um, okay, we're going to end. Uh, my recommendation, I don't really don't have one. I mean, last week we were talking about Porsche clothing. Um, mm. We weren't, you know, we weren't hating on Porsche clothing. It's just for us. I only going to mention this one because I didn't really have anything today. And I'm only going to mention it is because it's period correct, which I mentioned before. If you mm-hmm. haven't been to period correct, to me, as a Porsche enthusiast, as someone who likes that motoring side of it and, and you know, having been in fashion before, I really like what he does. Everything sells out. If you see something you like there, buy it. And the reason why I'm mentioning it this week, Steve, is because that Carrera sweatshirt came up, which I showed, mm-hmm. uh, I sent to you and then I showed uh, my wife, Natasha. She mm-hmm. said no. She said just said no. <laughs> <laughs> so I didn't buy she it. Reason why? No, and then I didn't buy it. And then I went back and I thought, damn it, I'm going to get the black one. I'm going to buy it. I'm going to get it sent here before I. Not that I could use it in Bahrain to the temperature. And I thought I'm going to get it sent here before I leave London. And of course, when I went to go and buy it, it's sold out already, both colors. So Isn't that's hers? what happens. Oh, at Tasha as well. Correct. Hmm? Oh, Natasha as well. Given that she said no. Mm. I don't know. Um, but period correct's great. I like their caps. I like their T-shirts. I like mm-hmm. their stuff. Um, if you're into cars and you're into Porsches, um, they have not necessarily always Porsche-related, but sometimes mo- more motorsport. I guess it's motorsport-related, Porsche-related. Yeah? Yep. But I was I was getting really excited that when I go back to Sydney and I can wear my Carrera sweatshirt in my Carrera. <laughs> <laughs> with your matching hat I wanted to go on a drive our first drive in summer and I'd come out with a Carrera sweatshirt on uh, maybe you should be wearing your Adidas Porsche design sneakers to go with that I didn't get those I missed out I did in buy your... some new sneakers during, I did buy some new sneakers during the week though I did actually okay. buy some new Nike sneakers they're very very cool and your Patrick Dempsey um, your Patrick Dempsey Porsche design collection sunglasses Yes, I got to get some of those. I got to get yeah, some of those. You know what? <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I am still searching for. I'm still searching, and I I watch them on Chrono Twenty Four. Chrono Twenty Four okay. is the place where you oh, can buy watches. watches. Yeah. yeah, I'm looking at the um the Porsche design watch, the you know the proper one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, is it Orofina or whatever the original yeah, ones? Orofina. Yeah, yeah uh, Orofina, right? I'm watching those, and I keep watching them, and. One day I will get one, hopefully before they get too crazy in price, but I will, I How am going to get now? one. I forget. <laughs> too much, too yeah, much I, for me at the moment. I looked into I it. just bought a watch. I looked into it when I had my 993 or 964, so however long ago that is, like not quite 20. And I was sussing them out too, but I didn't really have any idea on how to buy like a an old kind of vintage watch. Um, and I think at the time they were about, Maybe about a grand, twelve hundred bucks. How much are they now? Okay, I've been watching three or four. Um, yeah. The ones that are sold, they don't show me the price anymore. Yeah. Um, one that's still available is at eleven thousand Australian. Yikes! Um, the thing that I've noticed on watches, we're just going to talk about watches quickly before the mm-hmm. end of the podcast, mm-hmm. is that I mentioned this a while back, and I think it's it's happening. If you like Panerai and you don't have one, and you want one, buy a Panerai now. Because the prices of Panerai, mark my words, are going to go up. Panerai is coming back in a big way. And Did you they can go away? see it. They went away because they just produced so many models, you know, compared mm-hmm. to how it was in, in early 2000s and whatever when I first started getting into it. Mm-hmm. You know, it, 
they produced too many models. There's too many limited editions. It just went a bit crazy. The original guy that got them back on track after, you know, when they went to, mm-hmm. um, when they became part Which of the one? group, you know, like I can't remember the guy's name. He he's not with the company anymore. He was res- he retired, um, right. and he put it back on track. Um, and there's new people there, but all the special Panerais, all the special ones, the Californias and stuff, and I mm-hmm. watch a lot of them on Chrome 24. They all sell really quickly, and they never uh, used so to sell quickly. Are you saying to everybody go and cheap. buy those original old ones, or are you saying to buy anyone? <clears throat> no, I'm saying you know you got to be more selective in what you buy. But I'm <clears throat> the ones that have the Californian dial, some of the the older limited editions. I've noticed that my my Panerais that I have on Chrono 24, where if you add them to Chrono 24. Mm-hmm. which I do, um, it'll tell you the market value and I've noticed the market value has gone up. Have, um, have and I know you've got a couple of Panerais and I know it just seems to be a trend. Is it no, I don't think so. I don't think so. I just think like, Panerai is a little bit, you know. Is it, not, bit, is it not similar where, you know, we bang on about 9-11 prices kind of trends. going up. But it's then, trends. I hate to say it, then, it's trends. To be honest, like all M3s, like E46s and E36s and Supras and GTRs, yeah. like everything's kind of going up. So, like it's all well, the same boat. Is that not the same with, like I know you kind of talk well, about Rolex is maybe. going up, but are not all watches going up? Of Like, I like guess. nice watches, like a, you know, a reasonable IWC or an AP or whatever, like anything, not like, you know, you, you know what I I'm guess. sort of saying, like I any notable watch. That, <clears throat> yeah, I don't know. I find my... Omegas, the the Flightmaster and the Speedmaster, <clears throat> they don't seem to change in price that much. Even though they're quite old, they don't really go up that much. Things like that, I don't think really change. There's not, I don't think the demands there. Obviously, if that was a Rolex, it'd be worth a lot more if it was a '70s Rolex than right. a '70s Omega. Omega. Right. Um, <clears throat> I just think Panerai. Maybe it's a trend thing, and I think maybe what you said is just right because of this '90s thing, this '90s fashion thing, this '90s trend. I know it's '80s and '80s. People are talking about 70s and 80s cars, but it kind of is mm. 90s. When you think about all these Japanese cars, they're all 90s. Yeah. Um, Panerai, Panerai reinvented itself in the 90s. Um, you know what I mean? Wow, That's when it they started. Okay. Um, it was late 90s, 97. The first Panerai that came out from uh, Richmond was the, was the 1A. 1A. Um, mm-hmm. And that came out, that was the first one that Don bought, a friend of mine bought. Yep. Um, and I remember him buying it. And right, that's early 90s. 97. I think it was 98 or 97 it came out. Yeah. That's when they started. So I don't know if that's why Panerai's having a bit of a thing, but I think you're right, probably all watches, anything that's collectible really. I mean, yeah. I, I guess if you're into stamps, stamps have gone up too, I don't know, butterflies, <laughs> whatever you collect. Butterflies. <laughs> oh, I can see one now. <laughs> pens. Did you ever collect pens? I, I, no offense to anyone that collects pens, but I never understood the pen collecting thing. My, My friend also did me that. A Mont Blanc for some birthday, like I don't know, probably like an 18th or something yeah. like that. Yeah. Lost it. You use it? You lost <laughs> it. I'm left handed. Using a fountain pen is impossible. Yeah, I don't know. Tasha's dad has a lot of Mont Blancs. Tasha has her Mont Blanc in her, in her wallet, her little one. Right. And she has another, you know, she has a pencil and the pen. I bought a couple over the years. I never use them. I don't even know where they are. You know no, I, mean? I just, my, my, fat little clumsy hand would smudge the ink as I drawled across it. So Yeah, I can hardly write anymore. Every time I have to write now, it's like almost an impossible task. You use a computer so much, you forget how to write properly. Yeah. It's terrible. All right, mate, let's go. Cool. All right. <laughs> Superb ending to this podcast. 
<laughs> All right, everyone, we got a bit distracted there. I mean, watches. I mean, I know a lot of you guys, but a lot of the guys who who listen to us, Steve, are also into watches. Or if they weren't into watches, they're starting to look at watches. Mm-hmm. So I know a lot of people are into that. So it doesn't hurt to talk about it every now and again. Yeah. All right, mate, let's go. Slippery dip. See you later. See you, mate. Thanks, mate. Cheers. All right, everyone. Uh, thanks for listening to the Portugal podcast. That was Steve coming in from Sydney. My name is Michael Marth, um, and that's it. Thanks for listening. Bye for now. <laughs>